Welcome back, Tales of Glory listeners. Um, I'd like to welcome back my uh, probably five listeners now and two dogs. Tonight, we're diving into some good stuff here. You'll probably be surprised I'm diving into my own material. That's right, you heard it correctly. Uh, Reverend Michael Norton is now diving into his own material. Tonight, we're going to take a look at A Field Guide to Advanced Spiritual Warfare, my book, uh, my Deliverance, Exorcism, and the Healing the Effects of Ritual Abuse. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be the next couple of um, Tales of Glory interjected with some of the, 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 the topics I'm doing on St. Teresa of Avila. So I'm going to try, um, you know, as I'm working on one, do the other. Um, this is already have material produced for. This is kind of nice thoughts. I want to interject and make corrections. So it won't be the same old book. I'm going to try to discuss the book where I'm at now in 2020 here and, and COVID lockdown um, and discuss the book I wrote in 2017. That's right. It was 2017. Excuse me. I wrote this book. In 2010 was the Field Guide Spiritual Warfare. 2017 was the Field Guide to Advanced Spiritual Warfare. So let's take a look at what we're doing here. So for those of you who don't know me or just joining in, say wanted to jump in on the title here. Um, in case I get seven listeners and my two dogs, I am your host, Reverend Michael Norton. I am of M16 Ministries. We're a 501c3. We were established back in 2007. Um, a lot of my initial work in um, spiritual warfare was with Night Strike Homeless Street Ministry in San Francisco. That was an awesome ministry. Um, it started in 1999 with Bob Johnson and Mark Knights. I jumped in and worked with both those two back in 2006 where I got my training in spiritual warfare. Had a lot of stuff going on with me, um, and I met Bob Johnson, and he said, I could give you books to read, but the only way I could really train you is get on the streets with me. And I'm so glad I did. I mean, the very first night, I was in my very first deliverance ever on a street there with demonic manifestations and stuff. It was pretty cool. Um, I was told by God to shut it down in 2016 to move on to the current ministry I'm on now. That was kind of hard because I loved that ministry. I love street ministry. There was so much freedom. And there was so much supernatural you saw there. Um, but like I said, um, God needed me to other things. Spiritual warfare ministry, deliverance, exorcism, and ritual abuse. I've been doing those since 2006 to present, and God's been growing me every second of the day. I had my own miracles and warfare, deliverance, and healing service at my old church. I think that went from 2010 to 2013. A lot of crazy stuff, a lot of equipping people. We had churches come in. We had people that just, it was amazing. Um, since prophetic ministry wasn't really taught back then, and neither was healing or um you know, deliverance. It was like the end. It was like there was like thirty or forty people um, one Sunday night a month coming. A lot of people driving from a hundred miles or so to get healed from demonic manifestations. And we had people flew in. We had um, people healed of some incredible stuff like lupus. Um, yeah, it was just amazing. Uh, um, skin irritations or what do you call um, psoriasis was healed right in sleep for people's eyes, um, legs grow out. It was a interesting, interesting ministry. I loved it. Um, yeah, so I. It's just these evolutions God has you do. That was my first thing to having some sort of sort of pastor title role. I didn't have one. I hate using that. But that's how God kind of raised me up because I had to lead that. And that was, you know, I had to get in front of people. I was an introvert. Get in front of people and lead things. That was just a crazy time. Um, I got into ritual abuse counseling around that time too, 2013. Um, I also had ritual abuse survivors showing up to Miracles and Warfare. Some were saved out of prison ministries and they thought they had demonic activity and there was something different going on. It, it really threw me through a spin too. Um, so since then, um, about 2013, I, I joined a woman with a powerful ministry. She's an awesome person. Um, we've done a lot of ministry together since then and co-pastored stuff. And I work with her and her counseling uh, ministry. 
I also do spiritual direction for ritual abuse survivors there. And that's what I, 2013 to present. Um, under that same ministry there, um, I co-pastor two other women, um, Remnant Church with survivors and survivors of severe trauma. We have a, a church, you know, it goes on every Sunday night. Uh, I am authored the Field Guide Spiritual Warfare uh, and a Field Guide to Advanced Spiritual Warfare, and that's the book we're talking about tonight. I'm also a missionary in spiritual warfare. Um, I love missionary trips, but you know, I'm, God's had me grounded for a while. Uh, you know, I've had trips to Ethiopia, several trips to Guyana, several trips to Vietnam, Cambodia. Um, it's just been amazing stuff learning about the, the the witchcraft, spiritual warfare in those countries, and be able to bring it home and apply it here. Just amazing stuff. Um, my night strike ministry was one of those ministries of people go to Africa to see miracles, but we didn't go to Africa. We went to San Francisco. <laughs> we were having these crazy testimonies and people weren't believing us. So they started coming out in the streets for themselves. We had, um, was it a, an eyesight heal? It wasn't blindness. Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. Um, a cataract. Some guy's cataract healed. It was crazy. We had, we had stuff, all sorts of stuff. I know another team that flew out to um, night strike prayed over some guy with um, HIV and they got healed. It was a crazy incident. And uh, yeah, just it was just crazy miracles left and right. We saw that's where I first saw bones heal. I, I saw it several times there. People broken bones get healed. We prayed over them. Um, interesting times. I loved it. Um, I miss it. But that's what got me to what I'm doing now, and here I am. You know, and, and what is it, Mike? We're doing. We're going to unpack this. Ah, there's the cover. Awesome book cover. Advanced spiritual warfare. That is what we're covering. The M16 a field guide training series. You're in that tonight. Um, that's part of the podcast. That's what we're going to be doing. Um, I'm going to try to go through all the chapters of this book. Get yourself a copy on Amazon, read along with us and have it for a backup. Cause when we start getting this stuff, many of you know, I'm kind of like a fire hose that just shoots information. So if you want a hard copy of what Mike said or follow along, um, I'm also going to try to put together if I got time, um, just a study guide for this thing. Maybe we'll get one out this weekend, depending on how busy I am. So you guys have something to go back and listen to, and I'll post it probably on the field guide to spiritual warfare.blogspot.com, the home blog site for this podcast, Tales of Glory. And I tell you, we're going to have tons of Tales of Glory in this, this thing. There's going to be tons of stuff. It actually fits the podcast title. So Mike, what are we talking about? Here's just a few chapters I decide I'm going to run through as we do this. Um, tonight, we're doing, the first, we're doing it sequentially too. Um, this is the introduction to deliverance ministry we're talking about tonight. Um, next time is going to be sin in the soul as we talk more about deliverance. Um, and then after that episode is spiritual alignment, salvation in the soul. Then we'll do an episode on forgiveness, strongholds, hearing God and prophetic ministry. Um, something else I quite do quite a bit. That's, that's interesting and how it fits into some of this ministry. You'll be surprised what my thoughts are because I, I do prophetic ministry. When it comes to this, I have some different thoughts about it just from, um, what I've witnessed firsthand, especially when it comes to ritual abuse and DID. Um, that leads us into, uh, soul wounds and soul fracturing, which is dissociative identity disorder. I'm going to talk about that quite a bit through here too, because part of deliverance, um, actually it's not, I'm going to tell you when to, um, split streams in a ministry and focus on something else rather than cast out demons. We'll talk about that. It's very imperative in this ministry. You must be able to identify it. Um, and do not fall in the trap that it's demonic because somebody has a fractured soul and they're talking like a child. That's not demonic. Sometimes it might be, you have, must have to know how to discern this stuff. Um, we're going to talk with, along with DID, I have to talk about ritual abuse survivor ministry. I'll talk about that. Um, I probably won't name that episode. So if you're following along, that's going to be a, a surprise episode. It's like, what's this about? That's a weird title. I thought we were going to talk about this. You'll know, because I don't want it advertised in the web when I talk about that. Um, just so you guys are regular listeners, that's going to be just for you guys. You know, some good nuggets there, because I want to be able to download and do it safely without having to worry about what I say. 
I will talk about spiritual afflictions, right? Spiritual afflictions of the soul, demonic, demonic oppression, possession, obsession. We'll talk about those. I'll also talk about spiritual manifestations, right? Um, and I also want to talk about authority in heavenly realms. Can we pray to angels? Can we pray for God's resources to come as angels? Do we talk to angels? How do we handle the occult when it deals with satanic angels? That's something we really need to understand if you're going to be in this ministry. Otherwise, you're going to get yourself really messed up big time or have your church trashed on by um, you know demonic spirits. Here we go. A field guide to advanced spiritual warfare. Roll it. Chapter one. Introduction to deliverance ministry. Where else would you start but with the 70 disciples? This is the place where deliverance is spelled out in the Bible, what it is and how you should treat it. So Luke 10, 17 through 20. Um, dog ear this one, highlight it, learn it, live it. Verse 17. The 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Verse 18. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a lightning flash. Verse 19, look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will ever harm you. Verse 20, however, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. kind of want to unpack this thing here. This, there's a lot of stuff happening right here. Let's take a look. So the 70 disciples, those are you and I. They're us. We are the 70 disciples. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. So he gave you and I spiritual authority for spiritual warfare. We're going to need it and what we're encountering and when we encounter the enemy. And Jesus' response to them was, however, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You must exercise humility. Do not be a Vegas um, show uh person when it comes to deliverance like shouting at demons because you're showing you have authority you know come out come out you spirit of this you spirit of coffee cup you spirit of framed material you spirit of postal stamps you spirit of stop it that's not how it works in fact um i used to do demonstrations on night strike where we walk out there as a demonized person one block away f-bombing us i go oh we got a live one out there people know that when i say well, we got a live one i was always indicating to my usual peeps who are working with me not fear not scare off the new church people who just came out for one night that we had some demonic activity and i would whisper in the authority of jesus christ i bind you i'd whisper it and they just shut up a block away it was funny um so you don't need to yell this stuff you don't have to put on a show it just <laughs> i'm walking in authority shut up in the name of jesus that's all you gotta do um yeah, it's a pride thing. Don't don't put on a show. It doesn't have to have a show. I rarely have shows. When people come to my counseling, they always know it's very calm. It's different. I will, I'll speak in authority. I'm not yelling. But, you know, it's just rejoice that God saved you and you're, you're written in heaven. That's what's important. You focus on Jesus. You don't focus on daily prayers of protection and against these demons. I'm going to go study these demons and that demons. You're going to fall in that trap as a very new deliverance minister. I don't know if it's okay or not. It just happens. But as you mature and grow out of it, you're like, eh. Um, I actually had a library on deliverance ministry. I pretty much threw it all away. <laughs> you don't need it. Um, I wrote a field guide because it wasn't methodical. It just tells you what to expect, which I thought was a good approach to this. So field guide, spiritual warfare, and the advanced field guide both handle it this way in, in terms of how to do it in prayer and talking to Jesus, not in terms of I bind this, I bind that, I bind this thing, you know. And It's just, 
you're not, you know, how to root demons. Is that the book? You don't need that. You don't need it. You need to learn to talk to Jesus. So the key thing is humility. Rejoice for the fact that your soul is eternally saved. Um, Jesus left us a ministry of deliverance and the authority to trade on serpents, demonic spirits in our dominion. When he says tread, we're talking about our dominion from Genesis 1, right? God gave us dominion over the earth. It was Genesis 1 or 2. Somewhere in there. Um, it talks about dominion. Name the animals, you know. Uh, rule the world, take authority over it. So we have authority over the demons in our terrestrial dominion. Not in second heaven, not in heavenly places, not satanic angels, but the low-level grunt demons. It's called low-level low deliverance is what we're talking about here. Anything higher is moving to an exorcism. And there's differences in that too, which I'll explain. So one final thing too is, um, you know, I skipped over it. So it's, it said... Um, and Jesus saw Satan fall like lightning. I think what Satan witnessed was that Jesus released authority in mankind to take him on. And he wasn't expecting it. And when those 70 disciples went out there and just like did it, it shocked him out of his throne, wherever the heck he was sitting on, right? And so he saw Jesus fall like lightning. So it literally was, I think it was something that was in contextual to what he, um, the 70 disciples did. Some people, you know, trying to refer it back to when Jesus first saw Satan cast out of heaven. I think he saw Satan knock off his throne or he sits on in um, the second heaven when these 70 disciples walked in their authority because that wasn't supposed to happen. That was um, back in refer reference to, uh, was it a Genesis 3.15 where, you know, what the heel of the sun will, you know, step on the, or, you know, smash the head of the serpent. I think that's what was going on there. It was, it was a prophetic realization of that and knocked Satan off his seat. Anyway, Satan and his demons hate mankind. That's why we do deliverance ministry. All these people practicing witchcraft, they have no idea that they're embracing and following things that want to torture them, throw them in a blender, whatever. These are nasty. Uh, and that's what they are. They're not good things. So demons know the best way to attack man, a spiritual being embodied in his flesh, is to target his heart and soul and make him spiritually ill, right? Oppression. Deliverance ministry is about bringing the love and compassion of Jesus Christ into the fallen human condition, the generational curse of original sin that we are all born into, and the healing of the congenital sick heart and soul from this curse through Jesus completed by his work on the cross. Right? We were born sick. We were born fallen. We were born into original sin. So we need Jesus. We need the work on the cross to break off that curse that was on us that we're all born into. Whenever the baby just takes his first breath of air, you know, it's, he has original sin. That cute little baby, innocent baby, it's born into original sin. So having a spiritually healthy heart and soul is mission critical in order to carry out Jesus' commandment in Matthew 22. Well, what is that, Mike? Let's go take a look-see. Matthew 22, 34 to 38. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test Jesus. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to them, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. So that kind of threw the law people for a loop there, huh? Like they thought they caught him on something. And so those who observe this commandment have a deeper relationship with Jesus. That's why it's a commandment. It's not like, you better do this. You better go out there and have a deeper relationship with me. He goes, you know what? 
you know, if you if you guys get what's going on, this is an easy commandment. Just love me, love me, and with all your heart, mind, and soul, you'll be healthy. Your spirits will be healthy and become more like me. And that's through that commandment we develop a deeper relationship through prayer and our spiritual life with Jesus. As we want Jesus is actually quoting from Deuteronomy six. You know, Jesus loved Deuteronomy. Remember, he's, he's talking Satan. Um, during his temptation out in the desert, he's throwing Deuteronomy back at him. So I just think there's somewhere along the lines we see Jesus quote Deuteronomy quite a bit. So Deuteronomy 6, 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, right? It's it's like, a, that's a commandment? You know, like, Jesus, you're, ask, you're commanding me to love you? Like that should just come easy, like it's second nature. And I think that's, you know, that's all he commands. Man, I just want you to love me, love me for everything. Um, and then that's it for my commandment. So the only way we could do this is love him is if we're spiritually healthy, right? So we are love God with all our heart, soul, and strength. The greatest commandment is to go deeper in a relationship with Jesus. That's spiritual warfare right there, right? It's not how many protection prayers you say, how many um, prayers you have collected in your library of rooting Jesus. I mean, rooting demons, not Jesus. You'd be rooting Jesus. You'd be going after him, chasing him for your full heart. It's, it's about loving Jesus. This whole thing is about how much you love Jesus. So what we're talking about here, this is a deepening relationship is called a transforming union where the soul learns to abandon its worldly ideology and become more like its indwelling beloved Jesus Christ. And I talk a lot about this in Interior Castle podcast about St. Teresa of Avila. We talk about transforming union and we're going through that right now. Um, that's what's most important. Um, it's not, I'm a deliverance minister, you know, even Satan doesn't care. Um, what's important is you and Jesus and how deep you are in love with that incredible God of ours who loves us. He's a God of love. When a soul meets a Savior, it can no longer live in the same sinful nature of this fallen world. It must change and align itself in spirit with the Holy Spirit, right? We have to. If we love Jesus, we don't want to offend him. We want to become more like him. Our spirit has to align with the Holy Spirit internally of that which dwells in us. So, for some believers, it may be difficult for them to love God with all their heart, their spirit, and all their soul and minds, and all their strength, their faith, right? Something's going on that's blocking them. Something happened in life. Um, typically, it's behaviors or some sort of a childhood trauma or something that, that stops this from happening. Something dark and spiritual may be oppressing them, possibly a stronghold. A mind captive in thoughts contrary to the will of God. That's a stronghold, right? It's a mind captive in thoughts contrary to the will of God. Or a soul wound, where painful memories and emotions hinder the spiritual progress of the individual. So we have soul wounds and we have strongholds we have to worry about here. We're doing um, deliverance ministry and inner healing. This whole thing's about discerning, loving Jesus and discerning what is going on in front of you. Don't be so quick to start praying. Are we going to pray for us? Sometimes go, yeah, but sometimes I want to hear what's going on. You know, if a demon shows up, you know, Jesus knows, you know, it's not gonna let me get caught off guard. Um, but you know, it's just, yeah, it's okay to open in prayer. Um, I don't always go through protection prayer because I know Jesus covering over me and I'm more interested in what the situation is and what's going on. Cause I know Jesus is going to protect me. He just, he just will. So let's look at severe cases, spiritual oppression, obsession, Curses or even possession could be the root issue in the soul's impeded spiritual advancement, all right? Things we have to look out for when we're talking with somebody. 
A severely oppressed soul is spiritually afflicted. Affliction means a soul is in distress, right? Something demonic got its little talons in there. And it's afflicting the soul and causing it from not loving Jesus properly. There are both positive and negative connotations to a soul being afflicted, right? We know in the Bible there's two ways a soul can be afflicted. One's um, godly or biblical and the other one's diabolic. So when a righteous person is biblically fasting, like you're fasting, right? That's an affliction to the soul that we do intentionally, uh, willfully inhibiting the soul from its soulish desire to have food or do something else that's 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 soulish, right? Typically a fast, and people say, I'm fast TV or fast Facebook, you know, whatever. It's the food, you know, that, that, that the body desires. Yeah, head for food, show, show it you're serious. Prayer and fasting is a positive spiritual form of afflicting the soul, right? By afflicting the soul, I'm trying to tell the soul, look, you know what? I'm going to focus on Jesus during this time and not focus on food and not focus on whatever. That's positive. So I'm trying to bring myself deeper into Jesus in my prayer life. When a demon afflicts a soul through oppression, that's bad, right? We have to do something about this. This is not a good form of affliction. And there we have to do something. The oppressed, afflicted soul is spiritually ill and suffering from ungodly thoughts, right? The stronghold. Uh, the, the, the awesome late minister, Liam Payne, called these ungodly thoughts diseased attitudes. Um, they're behaviors, right? It's not just demons. We accept in bad behaviors and we entertain them and we, we nurture them. And we have diseased attitudes about ourselves. A lot of times people come and go, I got, I got demons. No, they're avoiding correcting their own human behavior, which is harder to do. It's easier to cast out demons if they're there, right? But it's a harder road to correct the behavior. If you correct the behavior, the demons will leave anyway, right? It's just what it is. So during this time, the minister must allow the Holy Spirit to lead in discerning whether the root stronghold is demonic or the root is ungodly thoughts from a soul wound or severe trauma from childhood, right? We're discerning stuff here. Don't start going after the spirit of Jezebel, the water spirits, the spirit of money, the spirit of Moloch, the spirit of greed. Bind them all down, you know, wonderful, great. You found a book that names them all. That's not going to help you. Because if it's not a demon and it's trauma, you just wasted that person's hour and they're not better off than when they came to see you. End of story. Your job is to help them. The current trend for deliverance ministries is only to focus on demonic strongholds, like I said, right? If there's, if there's trauma, dissociated identity disorder, ritual abuse, deliverance ministry should be immediately taken off the table and you move towards inner healing. Immediately. Gosh, Mike, why are you taking ritual abuse out of deliverance? Um, live, and, live and learn. Stay with this program and you're going to find out why. Um, we've all been down that road. Um, a lot of deliverance ministers now who are about started out when I did, I actually never felt myself as a deliverance minister because I kept doing these high-level weird occult stuff, <laughs> dealing with um, satanic angels and stuff. It wasn't deliverance. I couldn't find a book or anything about it. You know, Pigs in the parlor was okay, but like, no, I'm seeing something higher up in the food chain. So God had me doing other stuff. But I know people start out in deliverance ministry kind of backed out of it too because they weren't seeing people heal. It's not because deliverance wasn't working. It's because there was no demons to kick out, and it was the people's behaviors that needed adjusting. And they didn't want to do it. So they didn't get healed and they bounced from a deliverance minister to deliverance minister. And, and, and other deliverance ministers are going, well, you know what? This, this stuff isn't all about deliverance. So that's eventually how I bounced into counseling. I noticed too, not everybody was getting healed. Why not? Because it, too many times the church was embracing deliverance ministry is the answer. What is the question? Fill in the blank. 
That's not the way to do it. Our job is to discern what's wrong with the person. So again, this approach is ineffective because it excludes the inner healing process of the heart and soul. This is what 100% needs to be included in deliverance ministry. A lot of times deliverance ministers don't want to do it. They just want to cast out a demon and walk away. Um, that's not cool. The common but spiritually unhealthy approach is to deliver the afflicted soul from demons, right? And that's the end of ministry. And that's what you see a lot. No, it's not. Um, these people need lots and lots of counseling. And that's the other problem too. Because now that the demon's gone, they have to change their behavior. If they want it changed, it's up to them. And that's usually through counseling or something. And then when that behavior is healed, a diseased attitude, then the demons don't come back. They don't, the, door's been, the door locks have been changed, right? That's what you want to do here. Tormented souls require much more than deliverance, prayer ministry, to receive a full inner healing. I'll say that again. Tormented souls require much more than deliverance ministry to receive a full inner healing. Other stuff may have happened. The soul retains the pain and trauma memories that granted the demons access in the first place. And we'll talk about that with dissociation. There's interesting stuff here that's going on. The soul has, still has scars from the oppression, right? And if there was a, abusive stuff going on, the demons are kind of like <laughs> embedded into the heart wounds or something through oppression, right? That doesn't mean they have demons. It means they'll, they'll use the, the heart wound for oppression and just keep attacking people. Why keep getting attacked? Well, your heart wound's still gaping open. Let's get that healed. And that's not a simple thing. That has to be walked out as well. Again, through some Christian counseling understands deliverance. You're not jumping on deliverance. Um, as I, I mentioned too, nowadays when people tell me they have a demon, I make them prove it to me. I go, you know, I've done exorcisms. I've been out to Haiti and worked with witch doctors. I've been to Ethiopia working with witch doctors. I've seen, you know, the, the Buddhist magic out there in uh, uh, Vietnam and the witchcraft of uh, Cambodia that's Buddhist. I've seen that all there too. I, I know what this stuff looks like. But you have to prove to me you have a problem with a demon over you're just not wanting to address your bad behavior, right? And they'll go through the ringer. Well, Mike, we haven't cast any demons. You're right, because there's not a demon there. I'm not picking up anything. Well, that's not true. This person said, this person prophetic, or this brother has insight, and he saw the demon. And, well, you know, they lied. You're that, or they, 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 they're fed bogus information to their soul instead of from God. You don't have a demon, and they have to deal with that. It's easier to cast out a demon than to fix the behavior, and that's what they don't want to hear. The soul must submit its inner healing to Jesus, right? Here we go. Jesus is the one who brings inner healing to the soul. The soul must want Jesus and trust Jesus and not merely desire to be taken out of its state of pain. That's the whole ministry right there. People come in for deliverance, bad stuff's going on, just just get me out of my pain. I don't care to deal with Jesus, just have him do it. doesn't work. Um, he'll get them out of their pain, but it'll come back right away again, right? The problem is many times Jesus will pull off on the healing um, I've seen before because the person wants Jesus to heal them in a certain manner, which is not trusting Jesus. And Jesus is going, I'm not going to heal you that way. That's not going to help you at all. I'm trying to help you, but you're not working with me. Um, you have to trust me and how I know how to get you out of this. And it's not the two-hour deliverance plan you have set up. It's going to be a walkout a month, a year, 10 years. Just bear with me. Trust me, I'll get you out of this. But people don't want to hear that. They just want to be taken out of their pain. They don't want to put the time in or the effort into this. They're healing. That just means that they don't want to be healed, right? It sounds, it is what it is. 
So Jesus will walk the soul to its victory if the person wants them to. A soul that can't move forward in its healing process is stuck. It's spiritually afflicted. It's spinning in wheels in the mud. A soul that is stuck in bondage to a lie of hopelessness, right? Oh, nobody can help me. I've been a deliverance minister and that deliverance minister. It's all hopeless. Oh, they're believing a lie. Um, and if you can't steer them around it, let them go. Some people just want to stay in their, in their muck. They want to believe everything's hopeless. That's not Jesus. Jesus can give them a way out. Jesus is the hope. They have to trust Jesus. He's the hope, right? Again, they just want to be taken out of their pain. Learn to discern what's going on there and ask them flat out. Do you just want out of your pain or you want Jesus? Do you trust him? Oh, yeah, 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 I want to, yeah. But, you know, you'll see over time what they do or don't want to. They'll start blowing off counseling meetings. not so important anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, yeah, it's learn at their behaviors and cut them loose. You, we don't heal people. We come alongside with Jesus who heals them, right? It is not our job to heal people. And if you think otherwise, it is your job, then you have a Messiah complex, right? It's not our job. Jesus heals the people. We're just there to interact during the healing with what Jesus is doing and how to spiritually direct them through that healing. That's deliverance ministry. So in this state where the soul is stuck, the soul is in jeopardy of becoming re-demonized and more deeply oppressed. The afflicted soul may feel completely helpless, right? Helpless and hopeless. That's a, that's When they start spilling off like that, they're listening to demons. It doesn't mean they have demons. It just means they're entertaining everything a demon's telling them. That's what's going on. And it could also be dissociative identity disorder. They're in a hopeless state and they're mistaking the voices. You know, Christians, oh, it's a voice. It's got to be a demon. No, we have three sources of voices. We have our own soul. We hear from God and we hear from demons. Our soul runs overtime making stuff up, talking to us. Just listen to the person at church who gets up and says they're prophetic. So saith the Lord. You know, did the Lord really say that? Or did your soul tell you that? And that's, you know, that's always like, that's not prophetic. <laughs> they're, they're making this stuff up because I can't now, I cannot argue with them if it's so saith the Lord, right? I'm not, it's not what I'm hearing. Well, the so saith the Lord said it. So you must be hearing wrong, Mike. So there's just, you know, I, I rabbit trail, but I'm just telling you, this is stuff to look out for. Um, if you want to get good at this, you're just, it's a lot of wisdom on this road, a lot of scars you develop on your own, but you, they pay off down the road. Again, number one, hopelessness is a lie. Um, a lot of ritual abuse people that you spending 90% of your time over 10 years going part by part, convincing hopelessness is a lie until they start building up their, their major core identity as their parts get healed. And all the time it's, you're breaking off the hopelessness. It's not, oh, you did this curse or this vow or you were the bride of Satan. And, you, know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you could do that forever and pull your hair out. That Some people, you know, the ministry goes, why, since I got this, I got the inside knowledge. Nope. The secret to inner healing with ritual abuse is breaking off the life from the parts and sending them off to Jesus. That's it. It's really simple. And if something gets tough, you just back off and the Holy Spirit comes in and does it. Um, I just... Some of my ritual abuse counseling, I get to see miracles on a daily basis, right? Because they have like thousands of parts. I just see crazy, crazy stuff. But each session is a miracle. Um, some of them are a little bit rough, very turbulent rides, like through thunderclouds or something. And then God takes over. Um, but it is what it is. It's just, that's it right there. If I just sold ritual abuse in a nutshell, how to heal him, forget about the spiritual warfare. You know, forget the watchers, the celestial beings. You know, you know, yeah, you'll get caught up on that. Go have fun with that. Um, Jesus will protect you and just spend the time and take them deeper with Jesus each part and if you get the right part one part can leave like thousands of parts of Jesus within an hour it's it's crazy stuff um, anyway I digress
So hopelessness is a lie. Remember that. God promised through his prophet Isaiah. I like saying that. Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners. Amen. Right? There it is. So God promised the coming of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He promised that back in Genesis 3.15. Like Satan, you're, I'm so mad at you. Here it comes, man. The word's going to become incarnate. You're going to be in trouble. So Jesus would bring his ministry of healing wounded hearts and broken, breaking the soul free from strongholds and bondage. That was his deliverance ministry, right? Delivering us from the bondage, strongholds. So God is prophetically referring to deliverance and inner healing mystery, ministry. Mystery. It's the mystery jinkies. Um, no, he's referring prophetically back in Genesis 3.15. Um, primarily what Jesus is going to do is deliverance and inner healing ministry while he's here, as well as physical healing ministry. And raise the dead and cast out demons, right? So it is through Jesus Christ, not you the minister, that healing comes. This takes a weight off your shoulders. I used to go to early on deliverance. I had all my books like I'm a lawyer, right? Probably had a briefcase. Had these Bible this, Bible that, rooting demons, all this stuff. And like it just, I got bigger arms. It never really helped during deliverance ministry. The only thing that helped was hearing God. And there's times now where I have a Bible on my phone. So I just don't have any Bibles on my phone. Um, but most times just sitting and hearing God and discerning what's going on ahead of me and listen to Jesus and follow him. You don't need all these books. You don't need routing demons. Um, whenever something's over your head, it's never bigger than Jesus. Holy Spirit, what is going on in front of me? Show me. <clears throat> Handle it from there. It's a Jesus ministry. And life is so much easier. And, you know, you don't have to spend time preparing yourself. When I prepare myself, it's during the day when I'm spending time with Jesus, talking to him, mental prayer. You know, he and I hang out, right? We do stuff. We'll go read the word or we'll go talk about stuff or I'll sit outside and we'll look at nature and I'll talk to him about nature or just things going on in my life. We have two-way communication going on. And so I know, I know his presence, right? Back to St. Teresa of Avila, know his presence, recollection, right? I know his presence is with me when the demons manifest and I can feel him instead of them. Um, through him, I could feel them, which is interesting. We've had some crazy battles, and I'll highlight those stories as they, they're pertinent to what we're, we're teaching about here in deliverance and exorcism and ritual abuse. So God sent his son to minister in his capacity. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus fulfilled God's promise. Yes, he did. Yep, all the way to the cross, man. And because of him, we have spiritual authority. We're not sitting here helpless. We can go against the terrestrial low-level demons that are here. Thank you, Jesus. So Luke 4.18, um, I think it was probably part of rehash from Isaiah, right? 61.1. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed. Luke 4.18. Yes, he did. He fulfilled that. Um, he has, and we're still doing it. That's what we're doing. That's where the 70 disciples, right? You and I are 70 disciples, right? We didn't go to the supernatural school of ministry, we didn't go to seminary and all that stuff, but God's going out, you know, like all I like saying is I got my PhD from the master, right? That's, that's where I went and he's going to train you because you can't get the supernatural training from academics. You just can't. A lot of times the hardest people I have to work with are PhDs. I, I met some really good PhDs who are charismatic and um, 
they knew their their seminary inside and out, but they're also radically in the middle. In fact, when PhD taught me that term, I love using it. I'm radically in the middle. And you have the PhDs are so academic, they can't pray their way out of a paper bag. Um, I had one PhD that kept telling me that um, um, I was explaining to him, like, Christians can have demons. No, they can't. No, they can't. Where is it in the Bible? <laughs> it's there. But the guy in the synagogue, right? He's in the back. He's manifesting. And, you know, they show up. Um, finally, he just threw something out. He goes, hey, I just saw this thing by Robert Morris, which is a great pastor. He said Christians can have demons. I go, oh, my God. He's like face slap, right? You know, I've been telling you that for the past three years. But thank you, Robert Morris, for telling him so that I can move on in my life. <laughs> it was just hysterical. Jesus' ministry of deliverance. Jesus' ministry of deliverance is the freeing of a soul from spiritual affliction, right? Demonic oppression, possession, or obsession. Healing the soul also involves healing the spirit from any heart wounds that may have opened or festered from oppression or severe trauma. So what's a heart wound? A very simple one. Um, say you're like a little girl, just loves singing and stuff, and you got a really great voice, um, but you have an abusive father. So you're going around the house singing, you know, you have super talented god gave you the ability to just sing and do stuff but your oppressive father goes you're a horrible singer i wish you'd shut up and not sing anymore now that stuck with the four-year-old right that turned into a heart wound and she loves singing but she's afraid to sing in public now you know and all of a sudden like when she's 30 or something she gets somebody catches her singing somewhere like at work oh my god you got a gorgeous voice no i don't my father told me i was horrible i go oh my god you're not horrible you're amazing and so this heart wound resurfaces, right? And she has to deal with it. But that's a basic heart wound. They get uglier from there. That's just a basic example. So heart wounds are rooted in ungodly beliefs and attitudes the soul believes about itself, right? In our example, the drunken, abusive father goes, you're a horrible singer, shut up, you know? I wish you'd never sing. You, you drive me crazy. So that rooted the ungodly belief in her, her mind and the soul believed it about itself for the next 30 years until somebody corrected her, you know? So demonic attachments tend to be rooted in wounded hearts. Yes, this is true. Um, even in DID, sometimes we'll see that there's a demonic protector somewhere in there um, that's just lying to stuff, you know, but don't go running with this. Yes, I want to be able to explain it to you. If you don't understand me, send me questions. Um, but I will expand upon this as we discuss things. So give me a little time. Give me some room here. You back off on Mike. Back off a little bit. We will discuss some heavy core stuff. Um, that's why everything's on a PowerPoint now keep my brain aligned from rabbit trailing. So too often, ministries separate the inner healing of the brokenhearted from the deliverance, which when coupled together brings liberty to the captive soul, right? You can't just do deliverance and send somebody off the merry way. Got all those demons out of you. Have a nice day. But what if those demons entered from verbal abuse? What if the verbal abuse in the girl that, that was singing, she was far worse. She was physically abused or even sexually abused by an abusive dad. Um, she has mindsets in her, ungodly beliefs, self-hatred, all this other stuff that has come out through counseling to help her get her full healing because these mind thoughts come back, these mindsets, she's going to reopen the door for the demonic. That's not her fault. You know, we always say, what door did you open the demonic? You know, that's another stupid um, book learn deliverance thing. You must have opened a door. You know, close the door, put a screen door up, something, you know, if you want a breeze, put a screen door in. Anyhow, um, yeah, just be mindful of that, that there's other things going on than just... Oh, a door was opened. No, maybe the person had a really horrible life and they don't want to talk about it. And when your life is horrible, it's the normal to them. And they're thinking, well, I don't know it was demonic. I just had a normal life. And you ask them about it, you know. 
I've seen this many times too with um, women who were molested by their dad. A lot of times they didn't know that wasn't normal until they found out at school that dad's not supposed to touch you or have sex with you. And so up to then, that was normal life for them until the light bulb went on, right? So don't assume your norm is their norm. Unpack what their life situation is. So these two ministries can't be separated, right? Inner healing and deliverance. Many times deliverance doesn't happen because the heart is spiritually wounded. You have to help them walk out of this, this heart wound or the dissociations that may have developed from the abuse. It's it's compounded. You ever wonder how I got into counseling? <laughs> because, you know, I don't know if you guys know my background. My background's in computational physics. I wanted to be an astronaut, uh, but my eyesight went bad, so I couldn't fly from the Navy. Um, jet plane, so there went that. But I'm very analytical, and when I know the Bible's true. I believe every word of it, but I saw people not healing from deliverance. I went, hmm, what's going on here? And I went on a life, uh, soul-searching journey here and figured it out. And then the other deliverance ministers about that time was what, too, figured the same thing out as well, that there was more to deliverance than just casting out demons to heal the brokenhearted. You had to work with them in spiritual direction to let them walk out this soul wound or work out the dissociation to get healed or dissociations or a thousand associations if it's ritual abuse. Deliverance will happen, but a full healing doesn't occur because a hidden heart wound surfaces as the root of the demonic affliction, right? Um, they may not know what it is. You have to spend time. If it's dissociation, you may not get the right part to talk to you. They want to talk to you. Um, inner healing and deliverance are one ministry. You know, they behave differently, but we have to know when to go right or left. Are we going right for inner healing or are we going left for deliverance? You must discern when. I don't do a lot of deliverance ministry when I work with ritual abuse survivors. I do a lot of inner healing ministry. In the event something demonic does show up, we take care of it. And by that time, we already have Jesus in place. So it's not even a, a delivery, a deliverance thing going on there. Come out, come out. Um, because these people were violated as children and forced into this. By the time Jesus shows up and the part is embracing Jesus, the demons are already hoofing it out of there as fast as they can get. They don't want to be anywhere near Jesus. It's a very different and gentle deliverance that we see many times over and over. So anyhow, many ministries choose to avoid the inner healing portion because it may require a long-term commitment to an individual. I have long-term commitments to the people I work with. I work with several individuals for nearly 10 years now and ritual abuse, and we're, we're seeing healings. It's a long walk out. It's very heart-jerking. Nobody in their right mind would volunteer to do this. Jesus drafted me. <laughs> we're going to have a talk about that when I get to heaven. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, so yeah, so don't, these, these deliverance ministers don't consider heart wounds, especially the ones that are putting on the Las Vegas shows. Come out, come out. You pesky little demon of um, bubble baths. You pesky little demon of, you know... Um, Sugary, sugary cereals, or they have all these stupid names, right? Run like hell when you see somebody doing that because I don't care what the demon is, um, right? When, when it's on, I'm staring them down. In authority of Jesus Christ, I command you to go. In Jesus' name, you submit to the name of Jesus. That's about, you don't have to put on a show. <laughs> they know who Jesus is. And I'll remind them they don't. Philippians 2.10, and they really enjoy that one. The miracle of the cross gives the body of Christ, you and I, we are the 70 disciples, the power and authority in this ministry to tread over the demonic ground forces of darkness on this earth. This is commonly referred to as low-level demonic deliverance. Why is it low-level? They're not satanic angels. We'll talk about second heaven satanic angels later. Um, 
some of the grunt forces got thrown on earth right they're imprisoned on earth why i don't know um the only way i could figure it is like the satanic angels are like the drug cartel right they live in gated communities but they have the gangbangers do all the work for them right the gangbangers are demonic so the the gangbangers are kicked out of the the community they don't get to come in and see the high cartel people or come to the parties right second heaven's a gated community literally gated hell community um and the gangbangers don't get in and so we're left to deal with the gangbangers right that's what we're dealing with um those are the forces of darkness on the ground and they're not in heavenly places like in ephesians 6 12 that's satanic angels and the drug cartel right <laughs> um we're dealing with the forces of darkness in our dominion they're down here so jesus was victorious on the cross he destroyed the works of satan from having any eternal effects on us we live in a biblical dispensation of time between the work of the cross, defeating death on the cross, and Jesus returning. Um, and it's not ever more so apparent now we live through COVID time, right? Oh my gosh, is this the end time? You know, we're in the end time. There's one, is this clock starting? Well, those two prophets going to shoot flames out of their heads. That's my sign. You know, I could care less if it's COVID or weird stuff happening in 2020. Who cares? When I see those two prophets wherever in Israel, flames shooting at them. Oh, that's that. <laughs> we see that on CNN, right? Or MSNBC. What is this stuff? You know, they'll be saying, you know, <laughs> I'm divulging, right? Anyhow, satanic angelic kingdom is defeated, right? They're defeated, but they're not powerless. Um, we know that from Colossians, right? He prayed them around in chains. Was that Colossians 2.16? Even though satanic angels are defeated, they still possess their free will. And that's why we have ritual abuse going on right now, the collateral damage. That's why we have people getting murdered. That's why we have people... Um, out in the streets, bad things happening. We have Antifa running the streets and destroying stuff. Oh, by the way, did you guys catch, um, while we're talking about this, um, current events. In February 2020, in the state of Washington, um, I think it was Seattle, the Satanic Temple went to the, um, whatever the government offices are in Seattle, and held a service and dedicated the, the building to um, Satan, and within a few months later, Antifa came to that same building, right? You see what's happening here? The human leadership allowed under the guise of um, you know political correctness, the satanic temple to come. So they handed their territory over to the Satanists. The Satanists um, dedicated it to Satan, and Satan moved in. It looks like hell now. Go figure, right? Put the events together. That one, um, I shouldn't be laughing at it, but I am. It's just, you know, come on, people, wake up. It was a series of events, bang, 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 bang. And all of a sudden, that place is just a, you know, a hellhole right now. <laughs> they got what they asked for in political correctness. Um, yeah, the road to hell is paved by political correctness. There's an example of it. So the kingdom of darkness is waiting for its judgment. Satanic angel realm is infuriated about its defeat and is carrying out collateral damage against us, against you and I. They hate us. All right, They're going to use us to, to help destroy us. Right, That's what they're doing. God allows this evil to happen on earth, right? Everything that happens here, we're going to see the glory of God come out of 2020. We're going to see it. Um, and it's going to be pretty spectacular, however he does it. Um, but yeah, he lets junk happen, whether he's going to do something to COVID or what. It's like everybody's going, what? We don't need a vaccine. We don't need a, you know, something's going to happen crazy. He's going to fix it. So we're living on a spiritual battlefield, Ephesians 6, 12. Right? And if you're going to go out and um, spread to the ends of the earth, you're going to have severe spiritual warfare because 
the demonic don't want Jesus to return, so they're going to interfere with missionaries. They're going to interfere with people trying to spread the word. They're going to interfere with street ministry. I saw it so many times. Anybody that's effective in spreading the word to the ends of the earth are going to engage in spiritual warfare. Oh my gosh, the 70 disciples, what were they doing? They were spreading the word of Jesus and they encountered spiritual warfare. So God gave them the authority over it. So, you know, like I said, the demons are trying to stop this from happening. So we may, we may encounter evil, we may allow it to seduce us, or we may confront it through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We have free will. You know, don't let it seduce us. Um, as I went into darker waters of things that God would show me authority over, or either through petitioning prayer through him, goes out of my jurisdiction, or I took authority over, oh my gosh, the, the level of witchcraft and stuff the enemy was trying to seduce me with was unreal. Um, so keep your mind in order. Don't look at it. Stay focused on Jesus. That's why you have to be deep with Jesus, right? He'll, you can get sucked in something, he'll snap you out of it. Um, always stay deep and centric with Jesus Christ. Learn to hear him. The reason we live on earth in our mortal bodies is to choose Jesus and his gift of eternal life. End of story. That's why we're here. Those souls who don't choose Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior will remain in the endemic, fallen state of original sin forever, i.e. go to hell right? Our, we're here to choose out of that, right? He gives free will. Um, he wants, he doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He wants us to choose him. But, you know, our minds will build mindsets and we'll listen to the enemy, we'll listen to demonic forces. Jesus isn't real or that Jesus did that to you. You know, that's demonic. Um, so we must fight all this like everybody else. Everybody's been through the same battles. If you're stuck in self-pity, well, you don't know what I'm going through. I hear that so many times when I hear that. I know people don't want to survive ritual abuse. Um, uh, counseling sessions because they're stuck in their self-pity. They want other people to see them in self-pity because it brings them attention. I'll work with them for a while, but I let them bow out on their own. I just know they will. I just stay with them sometimes just to see if they'll stay with the fight. You know, it's up to them. They have to choose. Mike doesn't make them come back. They have to make their own appointments. They have to choose to come back, you know, invest into it and choose their healing. And it's a long term. I'm so sorry it happens to these people. But it's the road out. They have to choose, 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 choose. And it's not fair to them. But the longer they stay with it, the more they regain themselves. And it's just it's just amazing. So when the flesh dies in a state of fallen sin, the soul is doomed to perish in eternal separation from God. Mm-hmm. Yep. The forces of darkness work overtime to prevent souls from choosing an attorney in paradise with the Lord Jesus Christ. Right, I mentioned that. They just work overtime. They don't want you to have eternal paradise with Jesus, right? We are spiritual beings that they absolutely hate. The spiritual battle is what allows God to demonstrate his glory and power. The secondary reason you live in this life in a body of flesh is the transformation of your soul so you prepare yourself for an eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the end story. We're preparing ourselves for eternity. We want a transforming union to imitate him, to become more like him. So when we die, we, we're able to, you know, have his mindset. Again, our souls embodied in flesh must work to transform itself to be more Christ-like. It takes work. It's like some of those um, ritual abuse survivors, they take work for their sanctification. That's what it is. It's a sanctification process for those people who have DID or have ritual abuse, dissociative fracturing. And they just have a harder sanctification process. And that's how I look at it. And I walk them through it. And once the light bulb clicks on, they're usually able to do it. So it is a transformed soul that will spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. Now the Lord is a spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Remember that song? There is freedom. <laughs> we get going now. Oh, yeah. We all 
with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of God and are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory. Yes, we are. Transforming union, sanctification. This is the form, the Lord who is a spirit, right? This is from the Lord who is a spirit. So that is our job through sanctification and transforming union is we're looking at him in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed in the same image. We are created into his image. Now we have to transform into his image out of our fallen state, our fallen endemic state. It's transformational ministry from glory to glory. The purpose of deliverance ministry is to help those souls stuck in their spiritual advancement or souls that are spiritually afflicted. When our spiritual being is given the gift of eternal life, the Lord Jesus Christ, our soul must undergo spiritual transformations, right? Sanctification, imitate Christ. I don't know how many times I repeat this. That's what all that's going on through deliverance. We're giving the soul a little kick where it's stuck. Sometimes it's a hard kick. Sometimes it's a big boot. Sometimes it's a catapult. When a soul is afflicted, wounded, or cursed, it will require ministry that helps realign its focus on Jesus, right? So somehow it's alignment. It was not focusing on Jesus, right? It's like, so no. So the soul's over here looking at this because it's, it's, it's afflicted. Say, so no, you got to focus back on Jesus. Look, be aligned with him. Be aligned with Jesus. That's what we're after. A soul can spiritually afflicted and also be completely focused on Jesus. I've seen this. One of the most mind-boggling cases I had, I had a man fly out to me. And we were working on some stuff. I think he had a Freemason background or something. I can't remember what the whole deal was. He wasn't Freemason. His grandfather was. Uh, it was like, it appeared to be like ritual abuse stuff, but it wasn't. His body was being afflicted by these weird things happening to his body. And there was no demons present. It was like something was allowing, being granted access to attack him. And sometimes you'll get stuff like that. You just don't have any idea what it is. It's not like you didn't have the authority enough because I know his wife and all these people around him and like he called him me and other people. I had my people on it. We couldn't figure it out for the life of us. He's still afflicted by it. These are rare cases and they do happen. And don't go, I don't know what doorway you left open. Just keep an open mind. Sometimes you, you'll know by where I worked with the person for a while and got to know him. So I understood that this is just weird. How is this allowed to happen? And I think somewhere it was a generational curse that maybe higher up to a very high satanic angel like a 33rd Mason he made a vow somewhere and when it broke or something, it went after his family. So it's just stuff like that. Um, the souls of absolute saints can have severe demonic attacks like this gentleman did, right? From spiritual doorways they didn't open. Remember Padre Pio? Padre Pio had some weird spiritual attacks happening to him, right? He's the guy that had the um, stigmata happening to him, but also he'd get the crud beat on him by Satan, by demonic activity. I know of other such saints who also experience this from more torment, but they are rare. <laughs> I know that's why I want to speak to counselors and pastors right now not the lay people so one person goes I haven't been healed from this or that because they want to deal with their behaviors I just think it's a rare thing I'm having I'm going through oh the, the, the best one yet is whenever you get somebody saying it's a principality that's oppressing me <laughs> you just laugh them out of there they're either on drugs or there's something wrong with them principalities don't attack us it's kind of like saying um, I'm going to send some hate letters to some terrorist general and ISIS, right? Blah, 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 you know? And he's not going to get on a plane and come after me, you know? He's like going to say, oh, yeah, who do we have? We have a terror cell, some little, who do we have a gangbanger out there who will go take care of Mike, right? He's not going to come after me. And it's you're just going to be dealing with the gangbanger, right, which is under your jurisdiction. So when people start telling you like, oh, you know, they try to make it sound good. It's pride, right? I've been to this deliverance minister and that deliverance minister, and they couldn't help me. But I know you can, Mike. I'm like, oh, I'm not even going to deal with you either. <laughs> <laughs> right, you have pride issues, you have behavior issues, and you need to work on those first. We even start talking. 
uh, yeah, those are fun conversations to have with people. A severe affliction can also come from a cursed bloodline, yep, such as lineage of witchcraft, Freemasonry, um, or false Christianity. Christian doctrines such as Mormonism and Jehovah Witnesses. Souls that are Christ-centric can also be cursed generationally through their bloodlines. This is common. A soul can and does go through its transforming union even though a curse exists. Right, So don't stop working on your sanctification just because a curse exists. Many times sanctification will break off the curse that deliverance ministers couldn't. Many times the transforming union is a trial to break off the curse. Um, just be open to what God's doing. Just because it hasn't broken off in five years or 10 years doesn't mean nothing's happening. Listen to Jesus. Talk to him. Avoid the deliverance doctrine that a soul is afflicted solely because a person has opened a door to sin. Many times they have through their behaviors, yes? But if you can't figure it out, a lot of times I've worked with people who are DID and said, I went to this deliverance minister. They said, I have a demon of this, a demon of that. I opened this doorway and that doorway. And like my brother saw it on me and all this other stuff, like brother in Christ. I'm sitting there going, no, 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 no. Tell me about your childhood. What was your dad like? Oh, he was an alcoholic. He drunkenly abused me. He hit me and all this other stuff. Um, I want to start looking at, see if you have um, dissociative parts in you and start ministry this way. And then stuff starts making sense to them who the voices are. They weren't demons. But, you know, it, it, this whole time, this person is looking for the doorways they open. They're just trying to heal from a horrible childhood. And these deliverance ministers made it worse for them and probably sent them back years. So they're going to all these deliverance count uh, conferences and stuff, like cleansing streams that can't do anything for them. Um, and cleansing streams reading their, reading their incantations and their rituals and nothing's breaking off. I'm sorry, I can make fun of that. I, I was blonged to that and I had to repent from that one. Um, especially the people I worked with. And in fact, I had major um, DIDers come in to my cleansing streams, and I kind of repented for that, but I also brought them to the counseling afterwards after I figured out what was going on. After cleansing streams, a lot of people were worse off than the cleansing stream conference. They don't tell you about that. And that was usually indicative signs of dissociative identity disorder afterwards because they went through stuff that just triggered the heck out of them the next day. I couldn't figure out why that was always going on after cleansing streams. Uh, and then lo and behold, my search, like, oh, dissociative identity disorder. It's not the answer to everything, but you have to be checking out soul wounds and stuff like that that happens. Uh, and why isn't deliverance working? If it's not working, stop deliverance. How many times do you have to be delivered from something that doesn't work? Figure that one out. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to investigate a matter, right? God doesn't owe us an answer. You know, he can conceal it from us. Or he could tell us. So just be very patient. Doesn't mean Jesus isn't helping you. Sometimes he's being polite too. People are going, Mike, are you hearing from God? What's wrong with me? I said, many times no. They go, well, I thought you could hear and see stuff. You know, I go, yeah, but God's also very polite too. He's not going to give me your junk mail. He's not going to go, Mike, guess what? This guy's totally into pornography. He might tell me something like that. Or he might be holding it off on him because he's like, you know what, dude? You're so close to being healed. I'm not going to tell Mike about it, but I really need you right now to buckle down and do this your own and finish it. Otherwise, we will have to bring in help or something. You know, God lets these people choose. Maybe times they get exasperated, but he has to do that for them first. He knows how to heal the soul. Follow him. Many times people aren't demonized. God is putting them through a spiritual trial to correct their sinful behavior. You will encounter situations where only God has the answer and he isn't sharing it with you, right? Like I just told you. God is God and he doesn't owe us answers at all. You know, it could be a trial you're going through. Keep in mind there's a trial. You'll encounter cases where traditional curse breaking doesn't work. 
Freemasons. Oh, I can't read that right. As an example, I've seen severely cursed bloodlines from Freemasonry that may take years to break off. There could also be ritual abuse involved. I've seen a lot of ritual abuse survivors that were Freemasons' um, children. Just because you have an ancestor in the Masons doesn't mean you're cursed, right? A lot of people, oh, I had a father who was a Mason. Well, how's your life? Oh, it's pretty good. And how's your parents? Oh, they were great. You know, no abuse, nothing. No. Do you feel like you're cursed? No. Okay, well, you're probably not cursed then. You know, through your own Christianity, you, you, you know, you're, you're saved from it or God broke it off. So don't worry about it. These cases show up from time to time. The curses don't break with methodical curse-breaking prayers, what I like to call incantations or rituals now, right? <laughs> Stop it. God won't always give revelation as to what is going on. God will assist you through supplication and prayer. He may give you revelation or he may not. That's just the way he works. When these situations arise, I direct ministers to Proverbs 25 too, like I just had. Um, I once broke off Mormon curses in a bar. Sometimes I go and minister in a bar and um, I will take a team and I was having like this little fruity drink or something that gave me and the, one of the girls on team walks around and goes, um, can I talk to you? And she goes, I think I have um, a curse of Mormonism. I mean, my family are Mormons and I was a Mormon and I go, well, let's just start praying for you. So I'm sitting there sitting on a little fruity drink, you know, had my hand on her, her um, forehead and just started praying, you know, and to other people in the thing, it looked like I just put my hand on a headache or something she was dealing with. And stuff just started coming off her. Um, and I was just kicking back in a bar. We were doing it, right? I didn't have my incantations with me. It's like, Jesus, more. Help her more. We break off the curse. We renounce the curse. Holy Spirit, fill her. Break it off more. Break it off more. It was just coming off her. It was crazy. Um, so just do as the Holy Spirit leads you to do. He knows how to heal, heal people, right? <laughs> he designed us. Popular Deliverance Ministry. Oh my gosh, here we go. You want to see Mike get agitated here. Um, these published prayer methodologies have become popular, and some churches and ministers have built deliverance schools around these doctrines. Most of the curriculum of these schools comes out of the contemporary classic deliverance books, such as Pigs in the Parlor and The Practical Guide to Deliverance by Frank and Ida May Hammond. Um, by the way, this is an excellent book. I think I actually tossed mine. I tossed a lot of these books. It was good for giving a clear understanding. No, I don't want to say clear. It was a good introduction to, to walk you through what's going on, but it never gave you a clear understanding. You know, it's kind of why like I wrote the field guide. It's like, well, this was an interesting book, but I don't get what they're talking about. And many people said the same thing. Bondage Breakers, another great book. It, it's dated, though. It's, it's a good book to use. A lot of people got delivered by it. But I think things are evolving, and demons are figuring out incantations, and um, it was a great thing to get us started with. It's also a great starting point. Those two, those two authors there. But I think we're beyond those now. So these books are instrumental in teaching deliverance ministry. It's good stuff to read. But the problem is they're very dated and behind the times, right? Remember, we're dealing with satanic beings, right? They figure stuff out. Oh, they're pulling out the incantations again. <laughs> Let's see if it works this time. Right? They figure out the way stuff's around us. You know, they're, they're like politicians. They look for loopholes. And they figured them out by now. So we see this stuff doesn't work much anymore. Holy Spirit-driven liberation prayer ministry. The Holy Spirit has been revealing more to us about this ministry. Holy Spirit-led ministry requires that we listen to Him. Process-based ministry can be executed without involving the Holy Spirit, which is a bad idea. This is methodical curse-breaking. Even a New Age minister can cast out a demon in the name of Jesus. They can, right? There's power in the name. And they can also cast them out and use these incantations. And believe it or not, I've seen these deliverance incantations go over to the New Age now. They're running with them. They're buying this. They're buying that. Um, I've even seen them paranormal shows where the witches uh, use the 
the protection prayer of Mar Michael the Archangel. And it's just, you know, this stuff's getting sucked over there too. So keep in mind, um, methodical curse breaking, don't, don't use it. Go with what Jesus tells you. Prophetic hearing, right? Prophetic, hear from God and use it prophetic. And that's not, I'm a prophetic minister, I hear this, I hear this. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you're getting words of knowledge, you're getting prophetic pictures, and you're hearing from God about what to do during deliverance ministry. You should be that calm during this ministry that you can hear him, right? If you're not, then, you know, you're not doing it right. Do not build up a library of deliverance books or prayers for every kind of curse possible. Remember I tell you about my little lawyer briefcase? It was ridiculous. Be careful about not being led down a road of deception, right? I need to look up this. I need to look up that. No, you don't. I know people have these phone apps now. Look up spirits and beings. Stop it. Stop it. When you exclude the Holy Spirit ministry, you're operating under your own pride, right? I'm going to use what I know best, my incantations, to drive off this demon. And you're pushing the Holy Spirit out. You're just using Jesus' name, okay? Many times, Holy Spirit might be, this might be easy. The Holy Spirit will say, just renounce the time he's in the graveyard. You're going, what? Tell him to renounce the time he slept in the graveyard. Hey, did you ever sleep in the graveyard? Oh, how'd you know? Renounce it. <laughs> and this thing starts leaving, right? It's quicker. Um, you want a shortcut? Listen to God. These early deliverance ministry works were instrumental in raising up deliverance ministers. I found it instrumental too. So if you know it, this, go read it. But do not rely on it. It may need it for a little things to get you going. That's fine. What I was seeing occurring in ministry is that ministers are relying strictly on these curse-breaking prayers. Everybody's got their rooting demons books. Those rooting demons books are dangerous. Um, they actually tell you to go against principalities. No, 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 no. And as you being a Tales of Glory listener, you're going to understand why you can't go after heavenly beings in heavenly realms, right? You're going you're gonna to have the answer to why, and we'll get there. It is not these prayers that set people free, right? They're not being set free. That's why I found out later off the road. Well, stuff happens, stuff left, but stuff came back because their behaviors weren't changed. Also, we don't free these people. If we're using these um, incantations and freeing people, we're doing it on our own efforts. It doesn't work here. Authority comes from Jesus Christ, and it's he who liberates and heals the afflicted soul. In ministry, we must surrender to the will of the Father and follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Let Jesus do all the work. This should be a very lazy ministry. Let the worship leader work um, seven days a week and preparing for Sunday. That's a hard job. Deliverance ministry, easy job. Aside from all those people you have to deal with, right? Um, but when you show up to a session, because Jesus is doing all the work, he's going to do it. He's going to tell you what to do, and he's going to protect you. It is paramount that the minister listen to the Holy Spirit and know his voice. As a counselor, I'm surprised at how many people can't hear God's voice. I worked with several people who were high-end prophetic, or at least they said they were. Um, they had multiple identities and dis identity disorder, but they wouldn't acknowledge it. It was their identity speaking for them prophetically. And I do an exercise because I got to dial them in to hear from God. And they couldn't answer simple questions hearing from God. They go, I can't hear God. I go, you can't hear God? Then how on the earth are you getting these prophetic messages from God? You ever think you have a part in your soul that's making this stuff up? Oh, no, no, I hold an office of prophetic ministry. Oh, I see but you have parts in your soul that are making stuff up because you can't even hear from God, right? Hear from God first. You know, that's hearing God. Go go take the John Paul Jackson course, hearing God. I recommend it. Then take a prophetic ministry course, right? And you'll learn. I learned. I didn't know what to do. I got thrown at this stuff at night strike on the very first night. Like, what is prophetic ministry? How do you, that's, that's impossible. How do you hear from God? How do you heal people? Those were eye openers on the street for me, street ministry. 
So more issues with process-driven ministry. You know, I'm talking about methodical processing ministry, like rooting demons, um, cleansing streams, incantations, stuff like that. They're good for getting you aware to it, but you're using it over and over again. The demon, demons forgot how to do, you know, deal with it and break through it. My primary concern with methodical process-driven ministry is that it has a limited scope. Bondage breakers and pigs in a parlor have their merits in bringing up untrained ministers into spiritual warfare. This is good. Golf clap. Golf clap for that. This is good. For new ministers seeking information on transgressions and generational curses, these books are a great place to start. I highly recommend it. This material has led to deliverance ministry becoming more incantational, ritual prayer-based than supernatural ministry. That is bad. And golf clap. We're not listening to the Holy Spirit. This material is useful for the most basic cases that surface in a church. However, what I'm saying here, when I wrote this book back in 20, I say 2017, I wrote this book. Um, we were living in the times of 2 Timothy 3, and we still are, which is we see the rise of the occult. Remember I told you the Satanic Temple went right up the steps in Seattle, Washington, to the, uh, the government building and dedicated it to a regional spirit, <laughs> the, the Satan, and one of his principalities. So we're seeing this live action, right? We're seeing this. Jannies and Jambres were the sorcerers, the occultists in Pharaoh's court. They were high-level occultists, right? They were the Pharaoh's court sorcerers who could replicate most of the plagues sent by God. This verse in Timothy seems to resonate with what is happening in our society today. Case in point, right? The Satanic Temple in Washington, Seattle. So here we go. 2 Timothy 3, 8 through 9. Just as Jannies and Jambres resisted Moses... So there also resist the truth, men who are corrupt in mind, worthless in regard to faith, but they will make no further progress for the lack of understanding will be clear to all, as theirs was also, right? They think they got this stuff made, you know, they call them Christians intolerant, Christians are stupid, you know, get rid of churches in America, you know, and we're pagans, we're high-level witches, we're sorcerers, we're warlocks, blah, 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 you know? And they're going to pay a price for this. They're going to find out who they messed with, right? You know? It's like the little gangbanger trying to get, become the cartel. The cartel wipes them out. You know. In fact, I do know that the, when we're talking about here, when we're talking about satanic angels, they will wipe out these people. They don't care. They hate people. It's like a big joke. Uh, get them to trust us, and then we wipe them out horribly. That's where the, the satanic angels work. So that's what we're going to see here. We're going to see all these people moving towards um, uh, the occult. We're seeing that now. Walking around with their little horns and stuff, you know, little doing their, their um, these paranormal shows. They're all Satanists. They're all occultists on these shows. All of them. Call them out. It was that um, paranormal caught on camera that Susan Slaughter, she's a witch. And every time she's on there quoting, they're, 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 they're experts a witch. You look at Zach Bagans and you look at Aaron and you look at all those guys from Ghost Adventures, they're witches. Um, they're satanic. Um, and all their stuff that they do is satanic and they do incantations. They don't even know who God is. They're going to end up getting smited or there's something's going to... These guys are possessed. They've shown it in all their shows. They're possessed and they're under control of their own familiar spirits. So we're seeing it now. We're seeing the occult come out into the limelight. It's not even trying to hide. It's laughing at us, right? But no, God's going to have the final say and we do have power of the occult, but be careful how you step in it. Um, I've had to do stuff. That's why I stay undercover. I don't want people to know what I know because I'm trying to protect myself to help others as we do rescues. Kind of like the Navy SEALs, they don't get to see the high-tech weapons we have, right? They don't get to see our little personal submarines or personal jets we fly around with. They're not going to see it. I keep that under under locks and keys and it's classified uh, for this very reason because I don't want to advertise and get have stuff shut down on us by the occult or I'm preoccupied fighting the occult and, and healing and people who are hurt. So it's just why I just, this ministry was never made to be 
something that was like, it's going to grow into a large ministry of thousands of people and all this other stuff and be preaching to stadiums. That's not what this ministry is. And that's not what deliverance ministry is, humility. You're more like an individual resistance fighter, right? Our job isn't to win the war. Our job is to win the battles. We win each individual battle we're placed into and God wins the war. And we're not here for notoriety. We're not here to sell millions of dollars of books. And I think a lot of big deliverance ministers learn that the hard way. And, um, you know, and just we see them fall. So if you're a deliverance minister and you're an army of one, two, three, or four, that's it. And you may not get fundings. You may not get, you know, people aren't going to send you money and stuff. Unfortunately, and that's part of the demonic thing. People send money to the big ministries and it's it goes to their golden toilets, right? And, and their, their, their fancy 12,000 square foot homes. While other ministers, I know God's going to make them pay for it. Little ministers out there, little small ministries. God bless you guys listening to this or, or on your own or just small ministries. It is what it is keeping the fight this is who we are yeah it's <laughs> you got me on my my soapbox okay i'll get back to that so back to process driven the people i have been encountering in spiritual warfare ministry battles are the jannies and jambres right i told you that the occult is on the rise and the current church can't fathom the depths of its pure evil they don't the church can't fathom what i do when i talk about satanic ritual abuse mike you're scaring the parishioners don't talk about that please don't it, it is what it is you know they, we talk about ritual abuse and we talk about um rescuing for sex trafficking i'm into counseling those people and it's evil what happened to them it's so evil their minds were fractured into thousands of identities but the church is all let's rescue them let's rescue them how about okay that's good but what do we do when we rescue them we have small ministries like us who are underfunded i'm going at it again i'm not asking for money believe me i'm not asking for money that's not what's going on here. i'm saying it's just the hypocrisy in the church right now is they want to do all this stuff but they don't want to embrace the body of christ that's already doing it right and so that's why I'm speaking to you guys. We're we're the underdogs. I, I know you guys are underfunded too. I'm not trying to <laughs> make help, Mike. I just want you guys to get the idea. It always be that way. We need to stay in the fight. God will provide. There's a crazy provision. Yeah. So I had a funny story that um on the job for one year was our youth pastor several years ago. The church used to attend. After the first year, they put him on sabbatical. They sent him to Monterey and gave him a house and all this stuff. I'm sitting here looking at this. I'm looking at God going, God, I just went through these horrific battles of the occult, you know, and I'm a pastor and I'm sitting here. I know I don't have a church and stuff, but why is it the youth pastor gets <laughs> a trip to Monterey and like, I'll never get a trip anywhere. You know, a week later, <laughs> Jesus sent me a full-blown trip package to Maui that he completely arranged. It wasn't a winning. It wasn't anything else. Just everything came out of the blue was just funky free air tickets and stuff. I go, okay, Jesus, I get you. I never made that complete sense. I felt bad, but I want to do it again. Get another free air trip to Maui, but probably can't with COVID right now, but it was just funny how God responded, right? He sent me to Maui for two weeks, <laughs> all expenses paid. And it was like, that was no winning trip. Nothing. It was just crazy things happening left and right that he orchestrated the snicker. You're like, okay, Mike, I get it. I'll send you somewhere. I can't guarantee that'll ever work for you. It hasn't worked for me ever since, but it was hysterical. But I got a trip out of Maui from Jesus. I was like, I love you, Jesus. That was cool. Anyway, so occult activity has become prevalent as I minister with the ritual abuse survivors and witnesses firsthand what the occult can do, right? These guys are trained at four to move objects across tables, right? These there, There's thousands of occult parts that know witchcraft, know how to do rituals. They can do witchcraft and while you're doing sessions with them in ritual abuse, a four-year-old's mad at you. They can go home at night and cast stuff on you. You'll feel it. Um, I don't want to go into a lot of stuff because I have inside knowledge and a lot of things. But it's just who I am with Jesus that breaks it off. It, it gets funny. It's kind of like I have super hard shields. You know, Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, The Defiant. 
you have to be in a relationship with Jesus where you're the USS Defiant and stuff just doesn't penetrate at all. You have heavy firepower. That's what you want to be in life. So the occult has used mind control and has programmed innocent children for rituals, right? I'm jumping back into this. Back to the four-year-old, right? They they program children from the womb if it's an incestual. So that's what's so sick about this. And this falls under the umbrella of dissociative identity disorder and prayer ministry, how we heal the adults. I worked with kids that came out of this and I work with adults, mostly with the adults. Um, we've witnessed demons move in and out of ritual abuse survivors as well as occults astral project in, which is astral projecting while I was doing stuff. And we kick them out during ministry. This is called accessing. They could be accessed to their dreams and that's what they have to make sure we shut down. I have a whole funny story. Some ministry was excited about, oh, we're moving this this person. The, the, the cult keeps finding us and we're on the run. Pray for us. Every time we go, they find us somewhere where we're hiding. And I sent back a text. I go, a response, well, of course they do because they're accessing the person you're moving and they see right through her eyes. And they said, you should have said that. You've upset so many survivors are trying to heal. I said, the, the key to healing from ritual abuse is knowing the truth. All the women I work with know if they're getting access, we're working to shut that down right away so they can't be used as a remote viewer, right? Uh, so we shut it down. And that's step number one. And that's how we know we have freedom. We start seeing receiving freedom. When the parts are realized they're not being accessed at night or during the day is they start feeling more confident to come up and get healed. That's part of it too. It's just it's just a go with the flow ministry. There's no process to it. But you know, it's things will check in and things will try to yank you into the occult too. And uh, through astral projection, it's just, it gets weird, you know? Yeah, and most churches will. I talk about this. The, the church ladies get their knickers in a bunch, so I don't talk about it anymore. But I'm gonna talk about it here. This is my podcast, so I'll let you guys know, and we'll talk about. Like I said, we get to the topics. I ramble a lot, but we'll get to this stuff. Let me wrap up with issues with process-driven ministry. So, curse-breaking prayers used by most Lutheran ministers are out of the scope of usefulness in situations. Right? They don't work. DID prayer ministry is altogether different from deliverance. You don't use these incantation prayers. You don't. It's inner healing. You work with them inner healing. Jesus comes. They focus on Jesus. Um, what I work do a lot with the idea is turn them into contemplative prayer people um, and develop strong Christian um, believers inside them. There could be multiple strong Christian believers and one primary one. And these guys start evangelizing the system. And that's how we get things done. Deliverance prayer can do more than harm than good to those who have fractured souls, DID and are experiencing a cult attack. So I, I recommend if it's SRA, you stop deliverance immediately. I know Angela Greeting came in with the finger of God. I did this, I did this, I did that. No, she did it all wrong. And as you notice later, I kind of wrote a thing, a blog about her saying, I don't believe you're doing this um, because she's fractured. And um, she was selling stuff about how I, you know, books on how I healed her with the deliverance. And all of a sudden I noticed right away the books got pulled because she found out kind of stuff I was relaying was it was DID and the person in that they talk about in the movie did not get healed from deliverance. Deliverance may have helped stop what was going on. Deliverance knowledge helped shut down portals and stuff in their homes while they're early on. But it's not what's going to heal them. You know, it's just a tool. The methodical deliverance prayers don't cover too many aspects of the occult and how they do their evil things, right? A lot of people have these books on, oh, bind this, break that, shut down this ritual, and I have all those rituals made here, you know, don't do that. You're being sucker punched into somebody wrote a deliverance book by the occult to undo stuff. Um, that's another way they, they, they drill us. So be careful of the books you buy. I remember um, a deliverance minister said she came out of the occult. Um, was it Exiting the Cauldron was a book? Leaving the Cauldron? And she wrote this whole thing about how she came to Jesus and uh, she left witchcraft. And she never did. And the book was a bestseller. 
it's still out there now. I think it's called Leaving the Cauldron or Exiting the Cauldron. Um, and she went on tour to churches and stuff. And the whole time she was a high end witch. And she still is. I've seen some of her stuff now. And she's kind of, you know, she made her money off the deal. And so be careful. There's stuff. They infiltrate. That's why I lock down. I don't use other people's material. The occult infiltrates a church in so many ways, even through pastors and stuff. You never know. Never invite those guys or high-end ex-witches to your church's talk because they're fractured and they're programmed. So everybody's going, did you hear this guy? I said, I wouldn't bring him to my church. I wouldn't allow him to come up there. You know, why? Can't Jesus heal him? I go, well, he has a Christian believer in him, but he also has thousands of <laughs> fractured souls in him that are programmed to lie and be a witch. And those aren't healed yet. And you don't know who comes up and speaks at the pulpit because he could be triggered by the pulpit through programming to come up and talk like that. So do not bring these people to your church and let them talk in the pulpit because they twist the scripture. All so subtle, just like Satan did the, um, you know, as a serpent in front of Eve at the, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? So spiritual warfare is never cut and dry. The best approach for this degree of warfare is to live a life that includes fasting and prayer. Listen to the Holy Spirit and what is going on during battle and walk in your spiritual authority, always. At this level of warfare, you'll find yourself using the appropriate scripture as the Holy Spirit gives you words of knowledge and wisdom, right? It's supernatural. Classic and popular deliverance mystery prayers, incantations, are all ineffective when it comes to occult battles. They don't work. The occults all smart you by now. Sometimes the occult wrote those incantations. Why do I think I call it an incantation? My intention here is to not to knock the classic approach, but to expand upon it and equip you with the understanding of a much bigger picture of where we're at in the battle against the occult. Uh, the Second uh, the Timothy 3.8 battle, right? That's where we're at. We're doing the occult. I consider spiritual warfare as three separate ministry components. One, an office of deliverance ministry. I don't like using office because it's used in the charismatic churches. I'm just going to use it here because people have used it like a title. I sit in an office like I'm higher above you. I don't want it meant that way, but there's like a, how about a ministry of deliverance where bondage breaking little demonic warfare, it's deliverance. An exorcism ministry, high level demonic and satanic angelic realms, second heaven is stuff you got to deal with there. And that, and then third is ministry of ritual abuse, right? Restoring shattered lives and spiritual direction through inner healing. So we have three different forms of ministry we need to tackle when it comes to the occult. And those are that right there. So keep in mind, these offices are great of importance and starting in one doesn't promote you to another. God is the one who fills these offices. From lack of better term with, these, with his ministers, God is the one who fights these battles, right? The successful people I've met across these denominations, Protestant and Catholic, were not called to these positions of office. They were drafted in the battle. I was drafted. I was never trained as a deliverance minister. I think I was always raised up to do the exorcism and the ritual abuse. God, when I was doing night strike, I was dealing with satanic angels on the streets. It was bizarre. So yeah, I, I know I encountered one time, there's a satanic angel that's a, of judgment that's in waiting there. And I ran into it. And God only showed it to me because through his glory to show me things I would be up against and what it felt like to stand in front of him. And it was weird. This guy actually teleported away from us and it freaked out the group. Yeah, so we've seen crazy weird stuff on the streets. So we're wrapping this up here. So what are we doing? We're doing pastoral care for the soul, right? That's what all, all three of these little ministries are wrapped into one. Jesus' ministry of deliverance is about healing demonic afflictions of the human soul. As a deliverance minister, we may be required to discern if the prayer recipient is stuck in his or her path, whether it's through clarifying his salvation, right? Am I saved or not? Many times I may not be saved. You know, they were rushed to their salvation or helping the sanctification of the soul. 
Be aware there is more to deliverance ministry than this. Understanding an individual's spiritual walk and development of his soul in the transforming union is critical in revealing for ministry direction, right? You have to discern stuff. There is no process or steps to take in deliverance ministry. Throw the books out. The deliverance minister must be following the will of the Father. It is Jesus and Jesus alone who brings deliverance and healing. He's going to tell you what scripture to read. You know, no matter how weird it is, follow what he says. You got to urge to read a scripture? Go to it. We are merely co-participants through prayer and standing in our own spiritual authority, right? We're co-participating. We're partnering with Jesus, and he's doing the deliverance and healing. The deliverance minister's job is not to focus on battling demons, but to aid in realigning the afflicted soul and spirit to Jesus Christ. We minister the afflicted soul using the three primary types of ministry, right? Low-level demonic deliverance, demonic oppression, through liberation and prayers of the exorcism of high order, demons and satanic cults, that's a cult and possession, and three, through prayer ministry of survivors of severe trauma, associative identity disorder, and ritual abuse, okay? Our job is to make the souls focus or refocus back on Jesus. We don't fight their battles. They fight it themselves. We come alongside. The afflicted souls must do that out of their own free will of Jesus. They must choose to want to fight, and that's where the battles are won. We're just a sensei, right? Sensei, come and show us how to fight. You know, or the fight club. We teach them how to fight. Rule number one of the fight club, especially the occult, we don't exist. Okay, so I hope that is wraps up a lot of information. That's why I put it on slides and stuff. But all this I covered, it was the first chapter of a field guide to advanced spiritual warfare. So if you want a copy of the first book, let me know. I still have supplies. Um, I can send a copy of a field guide spiritual warfare out for you. You just want to get that from a previous publisher. I have tons of them. But also, I highly recommend to follow along in the book, a field guide to advanced spiritual warfare that we'll be reading from. So you can post questions and ask me about stuff that I wasn't clear, clear about. Either during this talks, I talk fast. I know that. Can you imagine me in prayer? And when I pray in tongues like a Gatling gun, demons can't stand it. I got fired 3000 rounds of prophetic word a second, right? <laughs> it just tears them up. Um, I've had some just F-bombing because of it, too. So I know I talk fast. But anyhow, if you have questions, send them to me. You can find me at fieldguidespiritualwarfare.blogspot.com or there's a Field Guide Spiritual Warfare Facebook page and post your questions there. And I will try to answer them either on the page or I'll answer them here. Like I, I posted on my Facebook earlier, I asked people for some questions that they wanted me to answer in the podcast they, they were interested in. So those are these here, and these are random questions. They may not fit in what I talked about tonight, but I just want to answer questions. So starting with the first one, is a familiar spirit a demon? Yes, it is. Go back and look at First Chronicles 10, 13. The transgression of Saul, he hired the, the, the psychic of Endor, right? The necromancer of Endor. And his transgression was hiring a woman with a familiar spirit to talk to the dead. And he, one, he wasn't supposed to talk to the dead, and one, he used a psychic who was using a necromancing spirit, a familiar spirit, to talk with the dead, and that is a demon. It is a demon. So when you see people have familiar spirits, are my spirit guide. Your spirit guide and familiar spirit, they're demons, right? Okay? That's what they are. And I'm, I know many people send me e um, emails here or probably post on the fieldguideblogspot.com. Um, Mike, how can you be so intolerant? You know, you Christians are intolerant. Why is everything demon bad? It is. It's 
God created a hierarchy of princes and stuff, and some bad ones broke off, and some of the grunt soldiers broke off, and those were demons. And when psychics, like we see as TV psychics, I can't bear to watch them because they're talking to a demon. And you get some of these um, Catholic priests going these paranormal shows and walk through a house with a psychic. So let me get this straight. You can hear from God, but you're taking a psychic that listens to a demon to walk through a house to bless it. You're not blessing a house. You're demonizing it worse. So be careful the garbage you see on paranormal shows. So answer number one, familiar spirit, demon? Yes. What are some things you do to love Jesus more and more? You know, it's a relationship. I like spending personal time with Jesus. On my house, I have a porch swing in the back, and sometimes in the morning, I just like sit there and rock on the porch swing, and I do something called practicing his presence. It's a, it's a two or three people porch swing, and I'll sit there, and I'll, I'll pull in his presence like Jesus is sitting next to me in the porch swing, and we're just looking out over the view, and I'll just have mental prayer, and sometimes I'll talk out loud like he's there to indicate, yeah, I know you feel your presence, you're there. So I'll talk out loud to him. Other times, just pray or just dig into the, the, the Bible, and just, you know, or reflect on, so I see so many miracles a day, I spend time thanking him. I give Jesus appreciation. Show him appreciation. Show him adoration. How wonderful you are. You may have had a hard day and it gets you down, but start looking at what he did during the day. And it's just, it's just stuff like that. Spend more and more time with him. And like I said, um, I've been going through The Interior Castle. And that's a good book that St. Teresa of Avila did about how to love Jesus more and more. It's very simple. It's very subtle. Focus your mind on him. Practice his presence wherever you can. You're driving a car. You're commuting to work. Practice your presence. You're you're in the driver's side. Pull his presence into the, the passenger seat and talk to him, you know, and you can feel him. It sounds kind of nuts, but that's where contemplative, right? Our hardware in our brain was designed to bring him into us and we could feel his presence. Practice his presence. Our St. Teresa called it practice recollection, where you bring all the mind of the faculty into the form that there's the realization the presence of Jesus Christ is real and in our reality. We pull him in. How do you phrase binding and casting to all the noises that seem to ignore me? Well, first of all, are they demonic? Remember, um, not everything's demonic, and you, you this, these are practice tests for you as a minister. I'll hear stuff in the house, but I have a peaceful house, but I'm used to dealing with stuff outside, right? What was that? And like, oh, pff, and I'll just pull in the presence of Jesus. No, nothing here. It's not demonic. You know, cause sometimes I'll have drive-bys where things will show up and things will manifest. Every so once in a while, every time I get like a, a case of real demonic possession, stuff will try to show up in the house. But I asked Jesus, was this for real? You know, if demonic, it's obvious you saw it with your own eyes. But if you hear a sound and you bind it to go away, is it something else? Do we got vermin in the house? Do we got, you know, as I have a house creaking, what is going on? But if there's something in the house, you know there is, and it's it's not obeying you, Make noises for it. Go play John Paul Jackson's the what's the 100 Names of God. Oh, 365 Names of God. It's on YouTube. Oh, they'll get a kick out of that. They'll just love it. And put it on repeat. Put it on low. Put it on re- Especially the room you have the noises in. And authority of Jesus Christ, I command you to go. I don't want you here. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fill this room. This is your room. This is your house. Fill every fiber of this house, every wood fiber, every whatever you're going through. Permeate this house. Saturate it. This is your house. Anything demonic that's of the forces of darkness, I command you to go and leave my house. Never return. I bind you and forbid you from making noises. Now go now in the authority of Jesus Christ. I mean, put some olive oil around the house, put little crosses, go bless the house, and keep after it till they're gone. When I first came into this, the demons attacked me by hearing, I heard demonic full bore. It's like, oh my God, I thought I was going nuts within a week. And I finally got to go away as I developed my spiritual authority. I made the noises shut off 
through trusting Christ. I mean, this is hard. It's weird, right? But what I found out was every time I got stronger, they threw something else at me to throw me off track. Oh, well, we can do this then, you know? It went from noises in my head to turning on fire alarms in the house or turning on and off a microwave or rolling objects down a hall until I finally got it all out of my house, you know, because they were trying to stop me from being a deliverance minister or where was I doing spiritual warfare? I didn't know back then. So I went through the stuff for like three months where every time they, they upped the ante, right? So I got the noises in my head to stop and so they did something else. And so the fire alarms would go off early in the morning or something, you know, it was, just go after each one. I know the game is over. I don't allow this. And after that, there was complete peace in the house. The Holy Spirit was there the whole time. But I call these things drive-bys, right? They're not in the house. They drive by and they cause you noise. Um, treat it like that. And if you think it's in the house, you know, play the worship music loud by yourself or play in the room the 365 names of God off YouTube. Let them have it. Um, let them know. Bring in the presence of God. Make it so that temperature, right? Turn the temperature gauge to Jesus, and they'll they'll boil and get out of there. Okay, next question. How to close down smaller demons to discern the big one at war with you? Okay, this is old school deliverance stuff and personal attacks. I just go after all of them. I forbid nobody to do anything to me. So in the authority of Jesus Christ, I command you, um, I, I have dominion over the earth that is given to me and all through Jesus Christ, which all authority was given to him in heaven and earth and on the earth. And I command you to stop it. And if there's anything that heavenly realms, a witchcraft assignment against me, Jesus, I petition you to shut it down now. Please shut it down immediately. Because that's how I get the witchcraft shut down that's thrown at me during the attacks. These little four-year-olds, they know how to summon stuff in the second realm. <laughs> oh my God, a four-year-old knows how to do that? It's, they, these are some crazy stuff when I do a ritual abuse. Um, but they're people I love and work with, so I'm not mad at them, but I have to shut it down through prayer. Just do it like that. Whatever's in your dominion, nail it. And if it's outside your dominion, Jesus, in your authority, this is witchcraft coming from the second heavens, please shut it down for me in your in your name. Thank you, Jesus, You know, until it shuts down. I hope that makes sense. I don't really discern demons or who's what anymore. I just keep kicking them out. You know, as one comes up, I punt it. One comes up, I punt it. You know, it's just... I know it was the old way, like, let's just, or before it was to find out who the root demon is and bind it. You may not find out because they have a language of lies, right? And one just make make a bolt for it. You know, a root demon may make a bolt for it and get out of the body and leave somebody else behind. <laughs> They're stuck with stuff. So it's just, don't ever assume you know what's going on and don't have to discern. I don't have to discern. Like I was saying, the joke about the USS Defiant, the, the spaceship from Star Trek, I got heavy firepower. I will return volley, and that's what I do in prayer. And so I don't have to discern who's big or who's wet. I just have to discern what side of the fence I'm praying on. Whether I take dominion over it, and B, if it's not my dominion, petition Jesus. Mark 9.29. Prayer to close channels, passageways, portals in a room. <laughs> Ritual abuse, I had to do this quite often. Like, especially we got new people that came in. As we healed parts, parts, little four-year-old parts would get mad at me in their house they're living in, and they would go open all these portals and you'd walk in these places and feel a direct chill. And like, go, go, you'll find it. You'll find it. They brought me in the house when I was blessing it. Oh, you'll find the portal. And I'd stop and walk in this place like there was severe cold, like just one little, I don't know, one foot cylindrical spot to the ceiling. And it felt like there was a little portable fan there <laughs> just blowing stuff. Like it was gentle, real gentle. I thought, this is nuts. So what I did was I asked Jesus, okay, this is, this is new. How do I shut down portals? One thing he's taught me too, but I want you to pray over this first. Let him teach you how to shut it down. 
when in question, don't do what Mike says. Talk to the Holy Spirit first, but if you're stuck, he, had, he usually has me go to the sink, put water in my hands. I bless the water in my hands. I cup it, um, or I put it in a cup and bless the water and I come over to the portal and sprinkle the holy water and I just blessed on it and shut it down. The authority of Jesus Christ, I shut down this portal forever. You're never to reopen it. In Jesus' name, this is forever closed. And um, what usually happened after that, um, the little four-year-old part that did those would come in the next session and get healed. Like, how did you do that? You know, I was frustrated and mad at you. I was supposed to order open portals where other things come through. How did you do that? And I go, well, it was the Holy Spirit <laughs> in Jesus. And like, wow, could I meet him? You know, I can go to him. I go, yeah, you can go to him. So it was usually just weird power encounters like that, that they're trying to get me on something that like, it just flipped their mind around. How'd you, that's impossible. They, you know, they're, they're programmed to be hopeless. They just can't see some, you know, crazy middle-aged guy come in to shut down portals and be happy about it and walk off. There was like four or five we shut down. That, that little stinker was busy at night. She got middle of the night and opened these portals, let things in. Old Mike came in and shut them down. So that's how you do it. You know, bless your water and walk over. And the authority of Jesus Christ, you're closed. Be very careful first if there's pentagrams on them. Um, I throw the holy water on it and seal it. You know, I renounce, repent, renounce. Um, whatever portal is open, whoever opened this in Jesus' name, and until they're saved, I stand in the gap for them. But I am speaking on their behalf or I'm shutting down this portal. Just anything in the heavenly realms, I ask you to shut down this portal for me if it's something big step through this in Jesus' name and start getting a feel of what Jesus is telling you. And I throw the holy water on it and let him teach you how to shut it down from there. Each case is different. What I'm telling you here, this is like prophetic ministry, right? What is Jesus telling you to do? And, you know, don't be afraid to do what he's telling you to do. You're going to hear Jesus of the demonic. Don't worry. He'll hear the demonic, but you hear Jesus because he's more peaceful, right? And he's very confident. Oh, just throw the water on her. You know, you know well, he, he may tell you something funny too. I don't know. I've, I've had stuff where he just mocked the spirits. But yeah, just, I hope that answers your question. Those dudes get shut down. I don't want to go through everything I do because Jesus sent me through a weird course of training that I don't want to totally go into here because it was all supernatural. He did weird stuff with me. When it's in a child's room, I'll go sit in the closet with the portals open and pray. I'll just sit in the closet like, oh, so you think you're big here, huh? <laughs> Taunt a little bit. I don't know what you are, but I was sent here by my master to shut this down. And his name's Jesus. You have your problems with Jesus, you take it up with him. And I'm shutting this down, the authority of Jesus Christ. You never use this portal again. No darkness shall ever step through. Only the light of Jesus Christ will step through this door. And you are never to come to this room again or harm this child in the protection of Jesus Christ. So that's another way too, like in a children's room. Um, there's so many ways. Just don't do anything like Ghostbusters or Ghost Hunters do, right? I hope that helps. This has been a very long session. I think that's what's going to happen with Tales of Glory. I almost was going to do two chapters, but I thought it was going to be too long. I may have to break up some chapters if it's this long or try to condense it for you guys. I hope you guys found this beneficial, but this was the introduction to Deliverance Ministry. I can't remember where we're going next time. I think we're going to sin and the soul next time and talking about the law and talking about um, endemic sin and how we handle it and how it affects the soul. So we're off to chapter two next time. You guys are amazing. Come share the love over on YouTube. If you like us, like us on YouTube. Remember to pick up the book, The Advanced Field Guide, right? A Field Guide to Advanced Spiritual Warfare, the blue cover that I showed in the beginning of this, this section here. Um, that's the book we're after. So... Also, go to a field guide spiritual warfare.blogspot.com and leave your comments there. That's where I'm going to host these videos and podcasts for YouTube and for um, Spotify and for iTunes. So, you guys are amazing. Thank you for tuning in. Send me more questions. I'll try to answer them like I did here. And so, God bless and thank you for turning into the new M16 layer here. We're trying our brand new microphone. 
And thank you for your guys' support. Love you guys. God bless.